Thank you for downloading this podcast. We believe this message from Pastor Ryan will uplift you today. He was on the earth. There's so much we could talk about in the life of Christ. We could talk about his sacrificial death. We could talk about his resurrection. We could talk about him coming again. And how many know that'd be a great sermon? That'd be a great one. Wouldn't go wrong preaching Jesus, would we? I thought, well, you know, we could do that or we could talk about Mary. What a sacrifice, Mary. Receives an angelic visit. Says to her, you're going to carry the Son of God. Without argument, without protest, Mary says, so be it. Her confession was, I'll be that vessel. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll risk the ridicule, whatever it takes. I'll carry this child. Thought, man, that'd be a great sermon. Talk about Mary's sacrifice and her humility. Thought, that's what we ought to preach. Then my thoughts as being a man put myself in Joseph's place. See, Joseph was in love with Mary. She was it for him. He felt so comfortable with her and so in love with her, he said, you know what, I want to make you more than a friend to me. I want you to be my wife. See, he pledged his heart. He put himself out there. He was vulnerable. He said, I'm going to love this woman, and I'm going to make her my wife so he'd become engaged. And how many know every man in this room dreads these words? Honey, sit down. We need to talk. Come on now. You know, man, you know you hate to hear those words when your wife says, come here, sit down. We need to talk. My mind went to Joseph the day when Mary said, Joseph, you and I, we need to talk. And he sits down and his mind begins to to think about all the thoughts and the things that he could have possibly done wrong. And Mary looks at him and she shares the story. And what was the story? An angel came to visit me and said that I am to carry the seed of God. Can you imagine Joseph listening to Mary saying, Listen, an angel came to visit me. Right, Mary. I understand you're real spiritual and all, and you're real religious, but an angel visited you? And you're going to do what? You're going to have a child? And I'm not the father? And how many know Mary? She was well prepared for all those questions. Because she'd been to the CVS and she had the EPT. And she said, Look, because you know a woman's prepared to answer every question a man gives her. Apparently, she wasn't all that convincing because the Bible says that a few days later the angel showed up to Joseph and said, Look, she's telling the truth. I thought, you know, that'd be a great sermon to preach about Joseph because certainly he felt like his woman stepped out on him. Certainly he felt like she'd been unfaithful. Can you imagine the gamut of emotion? I love this woman, and now she says she's pregnant, and she's pregnant as a virgin. She says God has impregnated her with a seed. I can feel for Joseph. I thought that'd be a great sermon to preach. And I had a check in my spirit. I couldn't preach the Jesus message as it was. I didn't feel like I could preach Mary. I didn't feel like I could preach Joseph. I'm like, we're running out of things to preach here, Lord. And in the second chapter of Matthew, I was reading it, and it said that there were magi, one translation calls them wise men, who come from afar in pursuit of 
this king of the Jews. And something sparked my spirit. Because you can know of a Jesus, but unless you pursue after him, you'll never meet him. And you can hear of a Mary who was a virgin, who conceived by the Holy Spirit a child, but if you never pursue the child, you'll never meet Mary. Ah, I'm going to preach anyhow. If all you know is a man who is righteous and just named Joseph, but you never met his wife to meet his child, you're still empty and void. So my mind began to think about these wise men, and it's kind of shrouded in this mystery because we don't know how many there were. We don't know where they came from. We don't understand the length of their journey. There's so many questions, and my thought went to this. They said a star led them. Now, do you understand the ridicule of saying a star led you? That's almost as bad as Mary saying an angel visited her. Because first and foremost, that means you must have been looking at the stars in order to recognize there was a new star. So what does this say about these men? The Bible calls them magi, calls them wise men. But apparently they were men that studied the stars. And God said, you know what, since you're already looking there, I'm going to go ahead and take out some of the perplexity of the moment. And I'm going to put something there that was not there before. Why? Because God said, I don't want you to miss this event. I don't want you to miss this encounter. I don't want you to miss this message. So I put a star in the sky so that you can follow it to the birthplace of Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now my thought was this. All of us now in this present culture have to face the demands of following, searching, and seeking for a Jesus. That being said, the Bible records for us in the second chapter of Matthew. Can I just preach it like this? Is that all right? Because, see, the Bible says that they launched out on a journey. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us where they came from. doesn't give us their names. doesn't describe it. But, but my mind went to this. As they began to face the trials of their future, they had such a conviction they wanted to get to see where Jesus was was born and life's full of tragedies y'all life's full of troubles difficulties the journey in life and all of us can testify to this someday's life just absolutely makes no sense at all and we have all the modern conveniences we have all the technology we have all the abilities to see and, and recognize and feel and sense security in our life God didn't ask you to follow a star. The three wise men or five wise men or ten, I don't know. The Bible doesn't describe how many, but they had a purpose and it was collective. It was to follow the star until they got to the place where the king of Jews was born. And the Bible says that as they went on their journey, they came to Herod. And they were granted permission to come in and speak to the king. Now, we understand by Scripture that Herod wasn't all that secure in his role as king. Because when the wise men arrived, they questioned, where is this Jesus? And what's interesting is the king had some men around him that said, we've read some Scripture. We've read in Isaiah 7 where it was prophesied that he would be born. 
And they begin to share in Isaiah 53. See, they'd read some scripture. They had some basis. And they said, wait a minute. We've heard about this, and he's going to be this, and he's going to be born here. And they got enough information from Herod to say, you know what? I think we're close. See, a lot of us get close to Jesus. We just never meet him. You can get to the king, but the king can't satisfy the ache in your soul. You can meet a president, and you can meet a senator, and you can meet a banker, and you can make, meet influential people, but they can't change the emptiness in your soul. No one can fill the void. You can look at alcohol, you can look at drugs, you can look at the other things that this world offers. It will not fill the emptiness in your soul. The aching that is there is there because you haven't met the one who can change you. Bible records for us that the Magi, these wise men, walked out of Herod's court. They looked back up in the sky and they saw the star as it had located itself right above where Jesus was. Now Jesus had already been born. In fact, here's what's interesting. The scripture says that Herod, just after this account, offered a decree to kill all the children under the age of two. Right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mess with you a minute. Possibly their journey from the first time they saw the star to the moment that they knocked on the door where Mary and Joseph and Jesus was could have talked, took them two years. Two years of seeking. Two years of pursuing. Two years of travel. Two years of hunger. Two years of supporting a dream without the fulfillment of it. Two years of not going back. Two years of not going back to the comfort of where they came from. Because, see, they made up their mind, we're going to seek Him till we find Him. You're in this room and you can be 45 years old. And you've been in church and you've been to Sunday school and you've been to all these other things. But you still haven't reached the place where you met Him personally. I got good news for you. You're close this morning. You're close. You've got some good counsel. You're closer. I'm not diminishing your pain. I'm not diminishing your hardship. All of us have got a story. Some of us more harsh and more violent. But the fact is there's still breath in my lungs and a pursuit in my spirit to reach the face of God being Jesus Christ. I'm still longing and looking to see it. See, you've got to understand, even though you've been through some rocky roads, some dilemmas and pains and perils, you're closer now. I can, I can see the moment in my mind as these wise men who left the comfort of home journeyed for years. Now, I don't know if anybody, anybody been on a trip lately? Okay, nobody's been anywhere. Any, nobody, okay, I got some travelers. You've been to New Orleans or Louisiana? That's a little ways from here. How many know that if you go on a trip, it costs you something? cost you lodging, it cost you food, it cost expense money, does it not? When's the last time God asked you to invest a lot to get to Him? These wise men invested at least two years possibly to get to the place where they met Him. And now the moment has come, they see the star and they see the location where it appears that Jesus is. Can you imagine the emotion? I want you to go there with me. Can you imagine the emotion of seeking after Jesus? 
and you've been to Herod's court. You've been in the presence of the king of this earthly realm, but that didn't even touch you. You were still seeking for more. And you stand at the door and you're ready to knock. And you look at one another and go, is this the end of our journey? And the Bible says that as they knocked on the door and it opened. Now see, here's the thing that messes with you. They were going to meet the king of the Jews, right? That's what they had confessed. I'm going to meet the king of the Jews. But what they saw was a toddler. Who could possibly have been two years old. Where's the two-year-old at? Okay, I don't have a two-year-old. There's one back there wiggling like this, right? Uh-huh, raising his hand. Y'all trying to make him mind. Anybody remember having a two-year-old? I mean, they don't call them the terrible twos. <laughs> you hear me? A two-year-old is full of mischief. Adventure. I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't see Jesus standing there going, who? I see the door opening, guys. I see the door opening. I see Mary trying to wrestle Jesus as a two-year-old. I see Joseph over there with a ball thinking, you know what? I'm going to make a baseball player out of this boy. Because by the time they got to where Jesus was, and Herod's decree to kill everyone under the age of two would lead me to possibly believe that he was a toddler. But they were looking for a king. They had to be able to step out of the present into the reality of, of this present moment just to see a toddler and say, wait a minute, he's about to grow into a king. He's going to be a lamb, a sacrificial offering. See, most of us have been to church enough where we've been taught a Jesus that we can't relate to. Most of us have been to church enough that we've been taught to a Jesus, taught about a Jesus that for some reason he won't accept us, he won't love us, he won't validate us, he won't he doesn't even want us knocking on his door because we're not good enough. I'm coming here this morning to tell you that's not the message of this place this morning. I'm telling you that if you can see beyond your own pain and your own mess and your own you know, dysfunctional life, and you can see Jesus as a king. See, don't let it filter through anything you've been through. He's still the king of glory. They stood there, and the Bible says that they bowed before him. I'm talking about a toddler. Come here, baby. Come here. Come here. You just right on cue. Yeah, bring me that. Come here. You didn't know you was going to be part of my sermon, did you? You did? Okay, good. Did he talk to you about it? Because you might need to preach the end of it. Huh? Can I hold you? Can you walk around with me? Huh? No? You want to go back to mommy? Are you a king? No. Are you a princess, maybe? You're my princess. Come here. How old is she? Three? Okay, that's close enough. In Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says that those wise men, wise men, who'd been following a star looking for Jesus, when they opened the door, the Bible says that they bowed before that toddler and worshipped. 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 
a journey of a couple years to get to him. And when they get there, they see a toddler. Maybe had a passy. Okay, let me go out on a limb. He may have needed a diaper change. I know because you don't expect Jesus to have those kind of bodily functions, but he was divinity. He was God and man. Oh, y'all getting required. Because, see, we want Jesus to be something we can't relate to. And that's why the religious world has become such a problematic thing for the church. It's because we've made this so difficult to accept Jesus as the Son of God because we've tried to somehow make Him more spiritual and not human. The Bible says they worshipped. And they brought gifts, didn't they? They carried with Him. You want to go back to Mommy? You do? You don't like preaching with me? Can I have a great big hug before you go? Okay, don't give me nothing. Just leave me hanging like that. You want your hey, hey you want your blankie back, don't you? See, do you, do you understand how unrealistic this encounter was for these wise men? Can y'all get there in your mind? And the Bible says that they bowed down, they got down, and they worshipped before this toddler. And they presented him gold which carries a worth for a king. The only people that had gold were the kings. So they're presenting gold to a toddler. It was a sign that he was the king of kings. They presented frankincense, which seems somewhat odd because frankincense was really this sap that came from a tree. And it was dried, and when you burned it, it made a fragrance and an incense which cried worship and praise. And then they presented myrrh. Here's where it really gets odd. We've all been taught they brought those three gifts, right? Gold, we can understand gold. Frankincense, incense, we can understand that. Myrrh is what really causes the trouble. Because myrrh was used to anoint a dead body. Three men following a star, traveling miles upon miles to worship the Son of God, to offer Him what seemed like gifts that weren't relative, but they were really celebrating the King, the Divinity, and the Lamb. They were worshiping the King the divinity of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And they were also celebrating the Lamb because it wasn't enough for Jesus to be born. He knew His mission and purpose was to be the King of the Jews, the manifestation of God, and to be the sacrifice to die on Calvary's hill because salvation didn't come in His birth. It came when He died and was resurrected. Now, I don't know what you've been seeking for, and I don't know what you've been looking for, but I'm going to tell you something about this place that you're in this morning. There's a strong conviction in our spirits that we're seeking not after a star and not after a political reform. We're not seeking after a, a politician. We're not seeking after a bailout. There are people in this room, and I'm talking to you right now, we're not seeking after something that's fleeting or passing. 
We're seeking after one who can revolutionize and reform a nation. We're not looking for a handout or a bailout. We're looking for the hand of glory to be extended to the earth, to where he is the divinity of God, the Lamb of God, and the resurrected King, to everybody can find health and hope in the midst of this world. That's why we've gathered this morning. That's why the kids sung songs. That's why you put a baby in a manger to remind us and reflect. But if all you do is reflect and don't run after Him, then it was another Sunday. It was another kids pageant, another Christmas program. If all it is is a kid singing in a manger and Mary and Joseph and the reflection of such, then we've missed it. Because I don't want to just reflect. See, I can remember what it was like to be a child. I can remember the, the, the Christmas morning coming down the staircase. And the Christmas lights on the tree were burning and presents everywhere. And you run into mom and dad's room and you wake them at three in the morning. And you tell them, get up, Christmas has come. And they slap you. Say, go back to sleep. It'll be there till five or six. Apparently, some of you were those. Here's my question. Did you walk out of that room, go back to your bed, and go back to sleep? Not at all. (laughs) I'll turn the coffee on. Get up. Persistence. What, y'all laughing, but you know it's true. You were persistent, weren't you? There was no way you were going to be denied the opportunity to open the gift. You'd run in there and make sure the gifts were still there. You'd shake them. You'd run back in the bedroom. I know because I was a kid. And I'd run back in there. They're here, Mom. Dad, get up. How I many know sometimes you had to get a little support? So if you had a sibling, a brother or a sister, you had to get them up because you needed a little leverage. So you had to go get your brother and your sister up because you needed a little reinforcement downstairs with mom and dad because they wasn't getting up with your movement. So what you do, you aligned yourself with somebody else that believed in the same thing. So what you do, you said, wait a minute, I'm going to leverage this. I'm going to go get my brother, my sister, my, I'll get who, I'll go call my cousin. I don't care. I got to get somebody to come help me. I can remember me and my sister, we were the only ones in the house because that's the only person I had in my life was my sister and her and I. We planned it. We knew better than to go in there by ourselves. Because we needed the reinforcement of one another. Because you get one on one side and one on the other. Dad, get up. Mom, get up. Christmas. We were persistent until we got them up. Why? Because we couldn't wait to open the presents. I'm still that little boy. But now I'm not persistent to wake up and open presents. Now that persistency as I've seen a star. I left what I was comfortable with. I left my friends that I was comfortable with. I left the things that I thought I needed. And I've started a journey, y'all. I started it about 23 years ago, but I'm still on the journey because I've seen the star and I've heard the word. And I've been able to reflect, and now I've got a conviction that if I keep seeking, I'll continue to find. For 23 years, 
as a believer, every day of my life still filled with a journey to seek and to find. You say, have you not met him? Oh, yeah, I met him. What an encounter it was. See, the thing is, when you meet Jesus and you really meet him, things happen. Things change. Here's what happens. The Bible says this, and you can read it later. In Matthew chapter 2, about verse 12, the Bible says that because Herod was a big poser, he was. He acted like he wanted to know where Jesus was so he could come and worship, but he was a poser. There's a whole lot of posers in the church. Don't, don't get caught up with them. I can't believe it's that quiet when I just made that statement. Because Herod said, if you'll tell us where Jesus is, we'll come worship too. Poser. You want us to tell you where Jesus is so you can come kill him. Because you were insecure because somebody said there was going to be another king. And you figured, if I can kill him early, he won't be king. <laughs> Didn't work out. You can kill him, he'll still get up and live. <laughs> you, 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 your insecurities mean nothing. <laughs> You're not dealing with mortality. You're de- oh, glory. You're dealing with the Son of God. Here's the deal. The Bible says that, they, that Herod said, look, you tell us where he's at, and we'll come worship too, which was a poser. But here's the thing. The Bible says after they presented gold and frankincense and myrrh and they worshiped the Lord, instead of going and telling Herod where he was at, here's what the Scripture says, and this is so powerful. It says they went another direction. Oh, come on. That's, this is the sermon right here. They did not go back to where they were the same way. Come on, that would preach on any Sunday, let alone when we celebrate Christmas. The Bible says, it's verse 12, I believe you can check it. I'm, I'm, I'm working. It's verse 12. Thank you. It's verse 12. It says, instead of going back the same way, they had a check in their spirit. They perceived something was amiss with Herod. And the Bible said they went a different way. Let me tell you something. I've been on this journey, and I don't have it all figured out, and I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, but I do know this much. I'm not going back to where I was. I'm not going back to what I used to run with, and I'm not going to keep doing what I used to do. I've been changed because I met the King of glory, His divinity, and He was more than a lamb. He was my sacrificial lamb. Hallelujah. I tell you, it's like Jacob. You meet him, but you'll limp after you do. If you meet him, you'll be like Isaiah and go, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't even stand to be in front of. If you meet Jesus, you won't go back the same way you went. You'll never be the same. Your life will never be the same. Every day will be a journey in the pursuit of the greatness of seeking after the King of glory. He said, seek me that you might find me. He's not trying to hide from you this morning. You come to this service and you came and you've seen the grandkids sing and the children sing and they dance and they worship. My question is, is that going to be all of your day? Or is today going to be more than that for you? So, well, I, I got some empty spots in my life. I got some holes. I got some stuff I got to work out. I got, got some things in my mind I got to get, you know, kind of situated before I really get too serious with Jesus. Look, guys, today's as great a day as any to say, hey, I can't live like I'm living. 
I've been on this journey looking for peace for a long time, and I've not found any peace. I've got good news for you. He is the Prince of Peace. He's hope to the hopeless and help to those that need help. He's a healer. He's a way maker. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, right now, this Sunday's been filled with the hearts of children who have offered up praise to you. It's been filled with a, a drama, a picture, the imagery of Christmas. That within itself, Lord, is enough to change a heart. But as I stand in this room, I, I sense that you brought men and women here today that there's some struggles, some perplexities, issues that are beyond reasonable responses. And I believe today you can change their life. I thank you for changing mine. I'm far from perfection, Lord. My mistakes are many. But as I stand before you, I want to testify. You are my King. You are my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Messiah. You are my Emmanuel. You are my God that is with me. As I stand before you, Lord, in this congregation, I want you to know you have delivered me. And you've set me free. And for that, I say thank you. And I believe there are others in this room that can testify just like I have. That you're more than a religious figure to them. You're more than a church service. You're personal. You're relational. They've sought you, found you, and continue to seek you every day of their life because they're not about ready to live without you. But I also believe, Lord, there are others in this room that never have publicly said yes to you, and right now their heart beats. It beats because you are the beat within it. Your Word teaches us without you we can do nothing. But your word also teaches with you all things are possible. Every head bowed and every eye closed in the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. I'm not asking you to humor me and I'm not asking you to, to be a poser like Herod. I'm going to ask you to be serious with yourself. Where do you stand with God? I can feel you say, but who are you to ask me? If I don't ask you, you won't ask yourself those questions. It's my commission today to stand between you and your destiny and declare that there is a better way than the way you're going. It's time. The day has come for you to say yes to Jesus and no to everything else and say, you know what? From this moment on, I'm a seeker after the things of God. I'm a pursuer of righteousness and holiness. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Don't look around this room for no one. If you're standing or sitting, and you're in this room, and you know without a shadow of a doubt you're not where you need to be with God, 
And this is your season. This is your moment. This is your time. To be a wise man or a wise woman and say yes to Jesus. I want you to lift your hand to where I can see it and no one else. Very quickly. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Anyone else? Very quickly. This is not a moment for you to be religious and pious. This is not for you to be a poser. This is for you to make a decision in your life that you'll never regret. I'm not being harsh and I'm not being trite, but I'm going to tell you, hell is a reality for all of us if we don't make Jesus Christ the Lord of our life. It wasn't created for us. It wasn't intended for us. To go there would be a true violation of the Word of God. I asked the Lord this morning before I walked out of the office what scripture I should use other than the reference points that I gave you. As clear as I'm standing here, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's gift this Christmas is just as real as it was 2,000 years ago. For further information on Five Stones Church, please visit us online at www.fivestoneschurch.info or plan to visit us at 224 Brown Industrial Boulevard in the city of Canton, Georgia.